January is Cervical Cancer Awareness Month. So we've got Erin Bain, certified nurse midwife with Wyndham Hospital, joining us today to talk about the importance of screening. Erin, good morning. Thanks for joining me for today. Start things off by explaining what exactly is cervical cancer? Well, good morning. Thanks for having me. Um, Cervical cancer is exactly what it sounds like. It's cancer on your cervix. Um, And your cervix is the entrance to your uterus um, leading from a person assigned female at birth's vagina. What types of cervical cancer are there? Well, there's two types of cervical cancer, and it kind of, it's not super important for basic information, but there's squamous cell carcinoma and adenocarcinoma, and those are assigned based on what kind of cells the the cancer is affecting. What causes cervical cancer? 99.7% of cervical cancer is caused by the virus, the human papillomavirus, which is an STD um, that about 8 out of 10 women have had in their life. Um, And so it's something that is rare, but the thing that causes it is not. Do men get HPV, and can they transmit it to women? Yes, men can get HPV, and it can be transmitted to women. Um, Overall, men don't have the same kind of effects from HPV. They don't have any symptoms. Um, HPV in women also generally doesn't have any symptoms as long as it's the kind that affects your cervix. Um, And so we don't do testing on men to check for HPV, but for sure it can be transmitted by them. Well, let's talk about the testing you do for women to find out about HPV and also cervical cancer. How is testing done? Well, the testing, when you go in for your yearly with your your gynecologist or your midwife uh, and they do a pap smear, that's the only way we test for for HPV and for cancer. Um, And so making sure you do those visits and come in um, is really important. Are there symptoms of cervical cancer that you could maybe know that something's wrong and maybe reach out for help? Yeah, the symptoms of cervical cancer are really similar to a lot of common complaints that women have. Um, So like abnormal vaginal bleeding, so anytime you're having bleeding outside of your normal cycle, um, bleeding with sex, bleeding with uh, bleeding between your cycle, bleeding um, that just seems different to you. Uh, If you have any kind of new discharge that's strange for you, that's another thing to get checked out. Um, sometimes pain, so pelvic pain, which is a symptom a lot of women have. That doesn't necessarily mean cancer, but it's a symptom someone could have. It's all very sort of vague symptoms, so that's why it's so important to come in for your screening and get your pap smear done. Erin, is HPV like HIV-AIDS, that once you've got it, you've got it, or will HPV or can HPV eventually go away? Oh, HPV can totally clear itself. So, yeah, maintaining your immune, like staying healthy and keeping an active lifestyle, um, not smoking, not drinking too much. Um, those, I mean, if you're a healthy person, most people clear HPV. And so even though you might have had it, you may or may not ever know that you've had it because it does clear. So what kind of treatments are available? Well, so the, the cool, well, the good thing about um cervical cancer, I guess, is that usually it takes a long time to develop, and that's why we do pap smears every few years is because we see changes in the cells on your cervix before cancer actually develops. Um, Once you have cancer, there are, you know, cancer is something that's treated by a gynecologist-oncologist, and that person would guide you through whether surgery is needed or chemotherapy or radiation. Is cervical cancer, like all the other cancers, that Early detection is a key to curing it and getting rid of it. Yes, it is like all the other cancers. Early detection is key to getting rid of it, for sure. When should screening start? 
uh, pap smears start at 21, um, and that is just when we've looked at the data, we've noticed that, A, cervical cancer is really rare in young people, and it takes a long time to develop. So even if you've started being sexually active earlier in your life, we know that the chances of you developing cancer before age 21 is so low that it's not really necessary to do pap smears earlier. And is there an upper end to the age spectrum on when women don't need to have pap smears anymore? Yeah, and that's a conversation to have with your provider. The general rule of thumb is uh, 65. That said, if you um, have changed partners or you've had abnormal testing or um, you just feel more comfortable doing it, most providers will have that conversation with you and um, talk through the risks and benefits of continuing testing. Erin, I think there's a misunderstanding out there in the sense that some people think, oh, I need only to go every three or five years or so. But that does not mean you don't go to a midwife or a doctor every three to five years. You still need an annual GYN exam, which may not include a pap smear, but you still need a pelvic exam and a breast exam. Just expand upon that. Yeah, so I I strongly encourage all people assigned female at birth to come in every year and get just get checked out. Um, your primary care doctor may or may not have you know the time and space to address all of your reproductive health care needs. Um, I do recommend at least a breast exam every year and um, and possibly a pelvic exam depending on your symptoms and and what's going on with your body. Um, but yes, definitely having a conversation every year about, I don't know, family planning choices, whether you want to start birth control or you're thinking about having kids, um, just talking through what your body's doing. Some people are, some people's bodies are doing something that isn't quite normal and they don't know. And so coming in to talk, talk to us about it is a really good idea. Erin, how do people get screened for cervical cancer? Are there clinics around here where people can go in or is that done primarily within the doctor or the midwife's office? Um, you can get screened for cervical cancer at the Planned Parenthood, definitely. You can come here to my clinic at Wyndham Hospital. There are various other gynecologists around and midwives around that would do it for you. Um, if you ever have questions about that, our office is a great place to start. Talk me through the pap smear. What exactly does the pap smear show? What does it look like from, a, from, from your standpoint? Well, so when I do a pap smear, I, I use a tool to open a vagina, and I look at a cervix, right? And oftentimes, a cervix can look perfectly normal, and the cells might not be normal, right? So that's why we send them off to a lab, and the lab actually takes the sample that I take off of your cervix, and they look at it under a microscope to see if the cells are different and or if you have this human papillomavirus, um, and those results come back to me. Depending on what those results say, we can move forward in your treatment if necessary, or we might recommend, if it's abnormal, screening a little bit sooner than we would normally. Are there different kinds of HPV, like high-risk strains or low-risk strains? <laughs> there sure are, Wayne. You seem to know what you're talking about. Um, so, yes, there are definitely some different high-risk and low-risk strains, and that's what we're testing for when we test for HPV. Um, we don't test for low-risk strains, so all the testing we do is only for high-risk strains. You may or may not have a low-risk strain. Some, some strains of HPV cause other problems that aren't quite as dangerous as cervical cancer. Is there a vaccine for cervical cancer? There is a vaccine for cervical cancer, and we recommend people getting it actually before they even start becoming sexually active. Um, the vaccine covers some strains of high-risk HPV, not all of them. So even if you're vaccinated, it's still super important that you come in and get your, your annual done and your pap smear if necessary. How common is this? You gave some numbers earlier, but I'm wondering, is cervical cancer a bigger deal now than it was a generation ago, 100 years ago? You know, actually, cervical cancer um, 
has the the risk of cervical cancer has gone down with increased awareness and testing. Um, and so we're doing an okay job of tracking cervical cancer and tracking um, changes in your cells to prevent it. Uh, but of course, there's always more room for improvement. Aaron, not having been to a gynecologist my own self, and for that matter, not having had an appointment with a midwife, I'm wondering, does this discussion of cervical cancer and cervical cancer screening come up routinely in office visits, or is it something the patient should be asking about or see all of the above? Well, you know, all all healthcare providers are different. Some are very proactive about making sure that people's um, some people are some providers are more proactive about making sure their patients are aware of the importance of cervical cancer screening. Um, a lot of the providers I work with refer their patients to me um, when they realize that cervical cancer cancer screening isn't up to date. Um, so I think if you don't understand quite where you are in your cervical cancer screening, it's a good idea to bring it up. Oftentimes, will providers will bring it up once it's due. Uh, but if you want to know, what, like when if you need it sooner and, and you don't remember what they told you, please ask. Please ask the questions. Does everyone who gets the human papillovirus HPV get cervical cancer, or is just the HPV one possible trigger factor in cervical cancer? Not nearly the amount of people who have HPV get cervical cancer. Cervical cancer is pretty rare overall. HPV is pretty common. Um, and so when, you're, when your provider calls you and tells you that you have HPV, it's not a moment to necessarily panic. Um, they will tell you if there's something that needs following up on. And the way to get rid of HPV, like I said before, is to maintain a healthy lifestyle. Um, eat well, don't smoke, don't drink too much, don't do other drugs. Maintain your body so that it can fight the HPV off. Yeah, go a little deeper into the risk of smoking and HPV and cervical cancer. What I read was women who smoke are about twice as likely to get cervical cancer. To me, that's handwriting on the wall. <laughs> right. And well, you know, smoking is a hard thing. I know uh, it's very addictive. It's very hard to quit. And I'm well aware of that. That said, yeah, the num- it's, it's very, I mean, it's very obvious that the risk of smoking leads to a risk of not only cervical cancer, but increased cancer kind of across the board. Um, and so, yeah, I talk about that in the office and I make sure people are aware. Um, and if anybody needs help or support getting with quitting smoking, I'm, I'm here to help with that. Cancer is horrible. We've all lost people to cancer, but there are a couple of forms of cancer that almost go in a hush-hush category. People don't want to talk about it in polite company, and that would include breast cancer, that would include prostate cancer, and would cervical cancer fall on that same list? I think so, yeah. I mean, you know, a cervix isn't a part of the body that's very private for most people, and so I think the conversation is limited. Um, I talk about it all the time. It's part of my job, and so I'm pretty comfortable with it, but I know a lot of people aren't. Um, so, as a, you know, come see me if you haven't talked to anybody about it before, or if you haven't been screened, I, I love to tell people about it. However, on the other hand, I know people who've had cancer. I had a cancer threat at one point where I was told I might have prostate cancer. Turned out it was only prostatitis. A couple of weeks of Cipro brought it right back down again. But when people hear that word, cancer, including cervical cancer, uh, a lot of things go through your head. But Cervical cancer isn't necessarily a death sentence, is it? No, definitely not. If we catch it early, there's a very high risk of um, remission, or a very high uh, chance of remission. I'm sorry. But conversely, if not treated, can cervical cancer kill you? Yes. That's why it's so important to get screened and talk to your doctor, talk to your GYN, talk to your midwife about that. You are a certified nurse midwife at Wyndham Hospital. Tell me about what a midwife is and what a midwife does. 
Well, um, so as a nurse midwife, I, I get trained in a nurse midwifery program, and I'm trained to do a lot of the things that your normal gynecologist can do, right? I do your pap smears. I can do some of the follow-up treatment. I can talk to you about problems that you're having with your body. Um, and then I also do prenatal care. So people who are pregnant can come and see me, and I can treat them throughout their pregnancy, and then I can deliver their babies for them. And I'll bet there's a lot of people you run into who think, oh, you're a midwife. You just catch babies. You assist in births or you do actual deliveries and the like. But as you just indicated, a midwife does a lot more than that. Yeah. But yes, I have found that a lot of my job is not prenatal care necessarily, but a lot of this kind of primary reproductive health care. Yes. What was it that got you interested in this field in the first place? Oh, gosh, great question. I uh, was a nurse, and I was a labor and delivery nurse, and I wanted to, um, as a labor and delivery nurse, you spend time in a hospital, and you're present for a great moment in a lot of people's lives, um, but there's not a chance to build community. And so I really wanted to work in a place where I would see people every year and get to know people and see them kind of throughout their lifespan um, and still, you know, work with women's health. And so that's where I am now. I'm working women's health, and I'm I'm joining the community of Willimantic. Erin, how does a woman get a midwife? Once they are, for example, pregnant, are they assigned a midwife? Do you have to ask for a midwife? Where do you enter the equation? Well, so, I mean, most people, depending on your insurance, right, some people through their insurance are indeed assigned providers, usually a primary care provider. and it. But oftentimes you can, Depend, if your insurance covers it, you can sort of pick where you want to go to see a doctor or a midwife. Not all clinics have nurse midwives or midwives. So I would say if you're looking specifically for nurse midwifery care, you should, um, you should definitely ask the office that you're planning to go to if they have midwives available. You said nurse midwife or midwife. Is there a difference between the two? Well, a nurse midwife is trained as a nurse um, before and also can do all that kind of other gynecological care that we were talking about before, whereas a midwife, a person who is like a professional midwife, um, is a person who's trained um, mostly to just do prenatal care, um, and they can deliver, um, they're often trained more to deliver in the home or possibly in a birth center as opposed to in a hospital hospital, um, where I'm trained to deliver babies. And would you necessarily see a patient who is not pregnant or does not want to become pregnant just for their own female health care? Yes. Yes. I see a lot of patients who do not want to become pregnant, and we have conversations about that, and we determine how they would like to do that, avoid the pregnancy. Erin, you're an adjunct professor at Eastern Connecticut State University. What do you teach, and who do you teach? I teach, um, right now I teach principles of pharmacology to allied health students at Eastern. Yeah. What would an allied health student do down the road? What what would they wind up doing? Oh, you hadn't know I had my first class last night and most of them honestly want to be nurses. So I'm really excited about that. But I did have one person who wants to be an athletic trainer. Um, I teach that my students have included people who want to become physician's assistants or physical therapists or occupational therapists or sonographers or... Um, pharmacists. I've seen all kind of all across the healthcare board. And lastly, Aaron, I saw on your LinkedIn page that you were into rowing on the rowing team at Catholic University. Do you still do that a decade and a half or so later? And if so, where do you row around here? <laughs> you know, I don't know. I haven't looked into it a lot around here. I've um, 
my life has stayed in such a way that I haven't been able to readdress rowing in my life, but I'd love to. Um, if anybody wants to let me know where the rowing is around here, I could, I would definitely want to look into it. I suggest Mansfield Hollow Dam and the Columbia Canoe Club. That's a good place to start. Aaron, great information. Hope we've inspired some people to get screened for cervical cancer. Thank you for joining me this morning. Oh, thanks so much for having me. Have a great day. January is Cervical Cancer Awareness Month. That's Erin Bain, certified midwife with Wyndham Hospital, to talk about the importance of screening on 14 WILI Willimantic and 95.3 FM.